Good morning and welcome to episode 117 of Martin Uncut. Today it's June the 28th, 2021 and today's episode is The Data Detective by Tim Harford. I really hope you had a great weekend. I had and it was a long one. That extra day makes the weekend feel so much longer than it does otherwise. It's almost like having two Sundays in a bit. And we actually did. Both Saturday and Sunday were actually Sundays this week. So that was really nice. I am a bit um, extra happy today since yesterday I got my first COVID shot. Last week I actually finished to read two different books. I have talked about the books earlier. And one of these books that I finished is The Data Detective by Tim Hofford. And that is what I will talk about in today's episode. And as usual, you can find a link in the show notes. This book is a book about statistics. It is around 250, 300 pages, something like that. And uh, the language used in the book is quite easy to follow. Uh, But even though this is about statistics... Don't worry, it's uh, almost no math at all in the book. When Hawford was young, or at least younger, I think he's around my age roughly, he read a book by Gerald Huff called How to Lie with Statistics. And that's a book that he really, really loved. And this book is a classic, uh, really. It talks about how uh, statistics commonly is being used by fraudsters and tricksters to manipulate people. And statistics has gotten a pretty bad name. And Hoffer claims um, this has had negative consequences on people's life and well-being. And one example of this can be the fight uh, against cigarettes or Uh, the fight to get cancer uh, commonly known as an issue for uh, cigarette smokers. And he talks a lot about this, and apparently when they was uh, figured out that uh, cigarettes caused cancer, uh, there was a lot of um, lobbying and uh, smoke and mirrors cast out by the cigarette or tobacco industry because, of course, they didn't want people to stop smoking just because they died of it. Uh, They still want to make money. So they discredited statistics quite quite well. And that's uh, probably a reason why it took longer for this fact to be common knowledge or commonly accepted. So... Um, Hofford's intention with this book is to really persuade the reader that statistics can actually be used to illuminate uh, the reality around us and um, you do that with clarity and honesty. It doesn't have to be frauds and uh, trickstery. The book is split up in 10 main chapters or 10 rules. Personally, I don't really like when books are being split up like this. Why is it always an even number? I mean, why why isn't it 12 rules or 8 or 3 rules? I mean, why does it always have to be 10? Uh, 
So that's why I don't really like when, when a book is like that. I have studied quite a bit of math at the university uh, for my uh, electrical engineering uh, master's. So uh, a few years actually of, of math studies or at least one and a half, two years, something like that. So I have, um, I would say, a pretty good foundations into to math and statistics being a part of what we read. I have, of course, not worked a lot with it afterwards, but I would say I have a base knowledge about math. So a lot of the things that he discussed in the book was things that wasn't really new to me or like surprising or anything I didn't really understand. But if you're less versed in math or you think math is hard or statistics is really, really strange... This is a good insight to the world of numbers and why it do matter. The chapters that spoke most to me was the fifth rule. And this chapter was addressing survivorship bias and uh, related to this publication bias. And how does these two biases impact modern science and especially the software sciences like psychology? Harford talks in the book about research being done and we only see the result of the successful experiments. We don't see what was done and didn't work. And this sometimes leads to what is called harking and that essentially means hypothesizing after the results are known. And what it really means is that the scientist did his experiments and maybe they didn't really work out at, at, in the way that he wanted. And as you may know, uh, scientists are measured but why, uh, from what they are publishing. So if they can't publish anything, they may lose their grants and they may need to look around for out of the work. And this comes into the, also to the publication bias because the publica- publication bias says that most newspapers, they don't only want to um, publicize things that are newsworthy, like what is new. They don't want to publish non-findings. So if a science scientist do a test or an experiment and they don't find anything, that is not interesting. So that will not be put out into the publication. And the publication bias also impacts the science world in a very strange way. It's that if a science scientist finds a result, let's say that you figure out ego depletion, which is a well-known physical physical experiment or a theory. Let's say that you, f- you find that out and you publish that. And of course, that's something new, so that's going to be published. But when you do retest and... Uh, you redo these experiments or uh, very related research and find out things there that could be counter to ego depletion. A lot of papers don't want to publish this because it's not not newsworthy. It's a non-finding. So that means that you can put something out there uh, about a theory that is new, but it's, really, it's harder to actually uh, put something out there that proves or shows that maybe this doesn't work. So that means that we can get uh, quotum quotum facts out that is really not facts yet. Um, so uh, 
back to harking, but harking, um, so, so you, you do your test, you find something or you don't find something, and then you look into the results of your experiments and you see maybe you find something else and then you create your hypothesis from this. And that means that you didn't really have the idea and you validate it with your experiments. You found the idea from the experiment. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that, but to make this trustworthy, you then need to actually design another experiment or do another experiment so that is actually validating that uh, idea you got from the data. That's what you should do. But if you don't do that, you're harking. Um, Daniel Kahneman um, is a person you've probably heard about. Uh, he is a Nobel laureate and he's also an author of the book Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. Uh, this is a book that uh, you've probably seen. A lot of people bought it, but I don't think that many people actually read it. Um, I have bought it. I haven't read it, uh, but I will read it. It's on my list of reading materials. He and a lot of other people has been quite vocal about the state of science and especially around the experiments um, that's being done. And they have said things like... Uh, it's a train wreck to happen. Um, and these discussion, discussions has led to actually a new uh, process around scientific experiments. And um, now uh, a lot of scientists, they're actually pre-registering their experiments. So they actually tell uh, publicly what they're going to do before they do it. Uh, so that makes it harder to, to uh, hark essentially. And there is also a global effort out to retest well-known experiments and try to replicate them. And this has, in some cases, led to some corner uh, cornerstone research, like the, the really fundamental research, being questioned when it's uh, not really possible to replicate. And as I mentioned, ego depletion or ego depletion is a theory theory that is one of these. But in the specific case of ego depletion, there is still an ongoing debate uh, about if uh, the origin, uh, because it wasn't the original experiments that was used to try to re- reproduce or replicate, because the, um, the original experiments, they were harder to mass produce. And it's quite interesting to, to follow this discussion online and see what's, what's going to happen. A second section in the book that I really liked was when Hoffer talks about um, the illustration of statistics and this in form of graphs. And here he talks a lot about Florence Nightingale, uh, the British nurse that uh, a lot of people knows about, but mainly because she brought hygiene to the military hospital in, in Britain and completely changed the medical history going forward. What most people doesn't know is that she was a statistic statistician and she created a few of the really first successful graphs. And she created the graph that is called the Rose Diagram. And this was specifically done to illustrate the severe state in the military hospitals. And it really did work. And she really got her message, message through. And... That is an extraordinary feat because she was living in a different time and she was a woman 
and she succeeded heavily in a man uh, man dominated space so she's a great role model role model going forward so i definitely recommend that if you are interested in history around uh, the sciences read up on florence nightingale that is a really interesting story I don't think this book will really change anything in my life in a major way. I learned stuff about statistics, especially around the scientific process and the scientific space. Most of the other areas in the book wasn't really new to me um, because I have a lot of prior knowledge about math and statistics. Uh, So no major news there. But if you are think statistics is an area held in shadow or maybe a, a, bit, a t- tiny bit of magical, this is a great book to actually read and it will give you some guidelines at, and what to think about when you are approaching statistics. So watch your feelings and be curious, essentially. So this was everything I had for today. I hope you liked today's episode and later this week I will talk about another book. Uh, But until tomorrow, have a fantastic day. Ciao, ciao. Martin Uncut, your daily technology dose.